of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on July the 20th, 2021. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the devil or temptress himself. Caffeine rage. <laughs> on today's show, we will, of course, be discussing some games that we've played. Valve announces the Steam Deck. Free-to-play Tom Clancy game has been announced by Ubisoft. Sony patents player-kicking microtransactions. On our community corner this week, we'll have a news topic submitted to us by Jim. Ukraine warehouse packed with thousands of PS4s. We're actually a FIFA Ultimate Team bot farm. And if time allows, we will have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? Uh, Doing all right. Although that the, you know, is you know, good. Although this isn't, you know, uh, dragging a trailer halfway across the map, but it, but it does, uh, you know. It'll work. This'll do for tonight, I guess. <laughs> that's that's our new obsession. Me, not as much as I would like, because I'm, you know, working back in my office again. Or working back in an office that is not my home office. And while my boss doesn't give a shit if I play video games, it's still hard to do stuff like that when people will wander into your into your room and be like, hey, what's up? I just want to talk to you about some random stuff. And it's like, that's fine. Why don't we eat lunch and talk about random stuff together? It's like, no, I think I'd like to talk to you about random stuff for 15 minutes now. And then it like throws off my entire workflow and I don't get things done. Then, then you just halfway quickly. listen to them. I mean, that's, you know. A regular part portion then, of my existence. Then, then you turn around and it's like, who the fuck are you? I work with some very interesting people uh, in terms of how they present themselves. Oh, boy. That makes it sound probably more interesting than it actually is. Like, for example, today um, I was cooking lunch. And they everyone still thinks it's weird that I cook lunch at the office. It's like I'll just wait till you're bringing the walk. <laughs> it's like you've got a kitchen why wouldn't i use it for more than just a microwave but anyways so i'm cooking lunch and one of one of my coworkers is standing in there and in one like almost in one breath she goes from talking about how that she just can't um fathom why anyone would like be perverted and like want to pull their dicks out and show people their dick to talking about how that she got drunk once and went to uh, a drag show at a strip club and stuck her hand down someone's pants to see what they did with their dick. Like, did they tape it? Where did they put it? It was like smooth as a baby's bottom in there. I couldn't feel anything. And I'm like, I didn't say anything. What's the point? But, but you're, with but you're sitting here thinking, <clears throat> um, right. Yeah. Like, within, like, you know, one sentence going from being like, I don't understand how anybody could be a pervert to being like, I'm a pervert. I'm being a pervert. It's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I did have, like, an impromptu, though, like, I don't know, class on on teaching all of these people about, like, trans stuff. I mean, more than that, like, LGBTQ Well, well maybe you should stuff. teach that one lady boundaries on the drag queens. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Uh, none of them listen. 
to this. They never, they will never listen. I don't think she's very entitled. She's one of those people. Oh, Karen. Pretty sure that she uh, she voted for Trump. Pretty sure. I mean, I'm sure that there's nice people that voted for Trump. I've never I'm, seen one. <laughs> I was going to say your parents definitely aren't. <laughs> They're nice if you're the right sort of person. If you're just like them. So nice white? To you. Yeah, white and racist and sexist. Oh, not poor. Not poor. No. But are homophobic. Anyways. Uh, yeah. They have met you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. I, I I very much surprised a couple of my coworkers when they were asking me about stuff the other day. I don't even know how, like, I'm stand like, I finish up some paperwork, and I stand up and walk over to, like, the nurse's office in our building. Like, we the, at this clinic, they do testing in-house. Lot, lots of simple tests. Urinalysis, blood uh, analysis, you know, sampling. For just, like, common stuff, you know, if some if they need, like, something really specific or fancy, they'll send it off to a lab. But we do a lot of, a lot of stuff in-house. So there's, like, a little nurse's station set up, and most people go over there and hang out during the day if there's no no patients getting uh, any any labs drawn, just because it's an open area with multiple chairs. And so I walk over there, and they're talking about um, this was right before I gave them the lesson on LGBT stuff, and they're talking about um, you know I not at least the two that were talking weren't having this conversation and like I can't believe that they do this just like. They're a little bit older, and they're like, you know, I don't understand what it would be like to have, you know, attractions to this type of, you know, person, or, um, you know, to not feel comfortable in my own body. I just, I just always have, and you know, I get like involved in this conversation, trying to explain stuff to them as best as I can, and they're like, well, what is, you know, we're talking about this gender and sexuality stuff. Like, how can someone like, what's the difference in like pansexuality and bisexuality? And like, I explain that to them, and. They're like, well, how do you know all this stuff? And I was like, well, for one, it's my job. And for two, I mean, I'm, I'm pansexual. Like, and they're like, what? Cause I'm, I'm just like, if I never open my mouth and if I just like walk around and someone sees me, I'm, you know, a younger side of middle-aged white dude with, you know, a big bushy beard, overweight in the South, like, you would almost certainly peg me as like a redneck dude, you know, who's just not like not wearing his car hearts, you know, like if I had on my car, like if I was wearing car hearts, I would fit the bill for like just a redneck looking white dude in the South, you know? And so I've kind of got that, that look about me and they they were like shocked and they were like, wait, what? And I was like, Oh honey, sweetie. You want to talk about some cute boys? I'll talk about cute boys with you as much as you want. And they thought that was hilarious. Like these two, like, you know, 50 something year old <laughs> nurses. It's whatever. It's fine. Although, uh, last time, uh, Dee and I went to the grocery store, uh, saw one that I think you would enjoy. Uh, this big, uh, giant truck. And then yeah. the back of it, Bear Pride, uh, sticker in it. <laughs> bear pride? Yeah, the bear. As Yo, in the yeah. gay gay man. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But uh yeah. I think they were just like, well, you don't look like one of those people. 
Does that just matter? Looks don't matter. You you are aware this is a therapy uh, office, right? You're, yeah, you're not. You're sounding awfully uh, much like a judgmental bitch. Hmm. I, I I know. I work with a couple of those now. Generally speaking, my current office is much better and more chill than my old one. But because there are fewer people, it's that whole thing of like, well, the assholes rise to the top, you know. Much more quickly, like, make themselves known. So, uh, But the problem is they're actually more proud of being the asshole. I, I think they're probably just as proud of being the asshole as the other assholes who are proud of being the asshole. I mean, my office is, like, 80% cool and chill people. Maybe 85%. Fewer people, though, means that I get to hear a lot more, like, direct, like, gossip about people's life. Like, everyone just comes and talks to me. Like, there are two, two other therapists in my building. Everyone comes and talks to me. I think they've realized that I'm just, like, super chill. I don't <laughs> give a fuck. I'll talk to you about anything. I'll listen yeah, to you talk yeah, about just, anything. Yeah, just uh, don't interrupt me during uh, truck time. Yeah, don't interrupt me during truck time unless it's important. And even if it is important, at least uh, give me a chance to park. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of truck time, though, let's go talk about some <laughs> games that we played this week. Do you want to, since since we have uh, a segue, would you like to lead with our co-op truck time? Yeah, we could uh, lead with co-op truck time. Yeah. So we did SnowRunner as kind of our uh, uh, just weekly hangout and play together uh, time. And our date night? Sure. Uh, that's what Anita calls it anyway. That's what I call it. Send help. <laughs> Uh, and I will say that it's, uh, well, a lot smoother to get going once, you know, you enabled mods because, you know, of course I'm running a modded game. Yeah. I haven't used any, any mods until, you know, I, I joined your game. I was yeah. intending on using some mods. I just hadn't yet. Yeah. I'm only running a couple, which the main one I use is essentially better trains because, uh, even the stronger cranes are kind of weak, or kind of the weak sauce, so it's just, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and they're the same price uh, as the regular crane. It's, it's uh, essentially a replacement while not being a, a complete replacement. Yeah. Uh, For some of the contracts, it just makes life a lot easier, because the uh, payloads are obviously pretty damn heavy whenever you're lifting... You know, several slabs of concrete. Yeah. Uh, but we found out a couple of things. One is that uh, the non-host doesn't get progress. Uh, it's essentially progressing the host's map. Yes. But uh, any rewards you get go to the non-host. Yeah. So it's a good way if you're uh, at a state where you need some money, just join co-op with someone and just hang out and drive around. Um. You can bring your own trucks, but you could also drive the other person's. Yep. Uh, it you're essentially just an additional driver on one of my maps. Uh, and for some things, it makes a lot more sense to have a, a second uh, driver, especially whatever a mission requires, like a crane. Yeah, any mission that involves a crane, or as I quickly discovered playing single player later, like log delivery missions, really benefit from having. More players, because each delivery of a log, even though you're taking, like, a load of logs, it still only counts as one point towards the 
the cargo delivery completion thing. Yeah, because it, in Mudrunner, it was uh, the type of log. So, yeah, the long logs, I think it was, what, three points, four points? Yeah, I think it was three for long, two for medium, and one for short, I think. I think you got a bonus. I, I think it was four. I could be wrong, though. <clears throat> but, yeah, it's just a lot easier to uh, yeah, go and co-op, so... Uh, what we'll probably end up doing is going back and forth, depending on who's hosting, uh, to help out with uh, various contracts. Yeah. Like right now, I only have one, maybe two missions that are uh, decent uh, uh, co-op fodder. Uh, and contract-wise, I haven't focused too much on it. I've been doing the random tasks. Uh, and I've pretty much uh, worn out two maps of in, in Michigan. Uh, the two easier maps. Uh, d- did we talk about how the maps interconnect last time? We did, yeah, we did. Okay, so uh, the f- introductory map in Michigan I've pretty much cleared out. And the second map I'm pretty close to clearing out. And going off from those two, or that second one I should say, uh, is still you know a bit of a quagmire of uh, uh, watchtowers and stuff to for me to discover. So I'm going to probably spend some time working on that and just driving around and maybe I'll go back to Alaska and uh, start working on that one since uh, I'm, I think I got rank 10 or 11 today. So I have a good chunk of the off-road tires now. Yeah. What, what's rank st- what, 9 what's, or 10. What still kind of stinks is the fact that uh, the off-road tires and everything, it's requires so much grinding and then during the tutorial it sends you to alaska which is a death sentence if you don't have better tires uh did you spend any time there outside of uh just you know hey you could go to alaska now nope i spent no time there it's like hey you can go to alaska and then i immediately went back to michigan yeah i don't uh, know if that's if the best way to play it or not it probably isn't is to complete one area at a time but i want to do all of michigan and then go to alaska (laughs) Uh, yeah, I haven't touched, uh, uh, Russia yet, uh, the third, uh, map set. Uh, basically got to the point in, uh, Michigan where I could, uh, survive in Alaska for a bit, and I went and I found a couple good trucks. And I had missed one in Michigan, uh, that you tipped me off to, and I brought in my giant Caterpillar C <laughs> to... Uh, just yank, drag, and pull this truck in a very unfortunate spot halfway across the map. I mean, I ended up taking it the long way just because the Caterpillar has a very wide turning radius. And I wasn't sure if I could make a couple turns without, you know, a lot of uh, trouble. But, you know, it was a hell of a lot easier doing it that way than, you know... Uh, Trying to just lead it with a, a scout truck. Yeah, I, I will say that uh, some of the missions where uh, you have to drag a truck, and it's essentially you're leading it on a tow rope uh, and dra- uh, driving it behind, having it drive behind you, can be very frustrating if the uh, uh, secondary truck takes a wide turn, or if you're not familiar with it, and it takes a lot wider turn than you expect. Uh, yeah, and, and you can't switch to it. That's the thing. The, that's what the uh, unlocking the caterpillar is. You have to repair it, fuel it up, and then drag it to uh, to a parking lot. 
Yeah, it's been the same with every truck that I've I've rescued. You have you can't drive it even if you repair it and fuel it. You still have to drag it. Uh, there was one where I, uh, on the inland lake, I think it was where uh, you just repair it and fuel it up. But it, there's also not a garage on that map, so that might just be the you know the outlier. Uh, the, the one on. I unlocked when we were playing together. It was just fuel it up and repair it, and it's yours. Uh, that, you know, absolute limo of a truck. Yeah. I found that one. Uh, now that I'm exploring that map on my, you know, single player thing. Yeah, you don't have to drag it anywhere. You just have to fuel it up and repair it. And it's actually not that bad once you uh, get a few bridges repaired there. But, yeah, you know, it's repairing the bridges, which... Uh, that, that's kind of the weird thing is, yeah, you know, uh, how dynamic the maps is for uh, SnowRunner, where uh, you're able to change how much of... Uh, or how easy it is, depending on, you know, repairing bridges and, you know, clearing rock slides. Yeah. Uh, it, it it was a bit of a sour point at me for me for, at first, but it's kind of warmed on me. And I think it's just they introduced it uh, in such a way that it made it seem like, okay, you have to do this in order to unlock everything. Or really anything else. And it's really just that first time that it's just absolutely mandatory before you have really any content to work on. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked, you know, from the beginning, I liked that. the di- You know, the, sort of the dynamic nature of the maps and the progression and, you know, being able to do tasks and missions and things. Like, I liked all that from the beginning. Really like this game. Uh, probably gonna. I mean, we'll be playing it for a while, single player, and go back and forth multiplayer. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good, like even to just like just go and like, you know, you, even if we didn't work on tasks together, just if it's like, hey, let's go in multiplayer. You know, can you work on like clearing something for me or whatever? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. And then we can just uh-huh. chat and do separate things or work together on stuff. We only did that one mission together because we were kind of figuring out multiplayer stuff. Yeah. And you were doing a thing, and I was like, oh, I'm going to complete this task for you. And then I wound up using a shitty truck just for shits and giggles, and it took me a lot longer than I intended to do that one task, like delivering some fuel somewhere. But, it, I mean, it was fun. You know, it was it was a challenge uh-huh. that I, I completed, both on your map and also, you know, a little bit of a like a self-imposed challenge, I guess. Because I could have picked one of my bigger trucks and been done really quickly, but I took a scout truck and a, a, you know, just a regular trailer that you pull behind. And man, I've I've ruined one of my scout trucks, <laughs> and it's the <laughs> one that I'm using to explore the maps with no garages. So I'm like, well, well, if... what do you do? Huh? What did you do to ruin it? I put way too big of an engine on it. I put the, the biggest, um, like the big V8 in the uh, Chevy 1500 and it's fuel consumption is just garbage like 10 minutes and I'm out of fuel mm-hmm. if I'm not super careful and use like little tricks either just staying like in, in low range I did put the uh, the SnowRunner transmission on it so I do have like a low range yeah a, like a higher low range gear sort of like the equivalent to like a second gear maybe yeah but uh, that yeah, that's something that we really talked about uh, Sunday was uh, the lack of, of manual transition transmission really can be galling at times. Yeah, but um, you know, I've got enough fuel to last for like ten, including the the fuel 
uh, cans that the truck can carry, which is like half of its fuel capacity. I, I have about 15 minutes of total fuel before I run out of fuel. And so I like I got all the way over to the map and I'm like, well, shit, what do I do? Like <laughs> I could go back and recover and fix it, but I'm already like halfway done exploring this map. So I just kept going. I'm going to run out of fuel at some point and then I'm going to be really sad. But I've tried to strategically explore the map where I can keep going over nearby to the the trailer um, store or whatever and just fueling up with the trailer. Because whenever you spawn, tra- at least in the in like the normal mode, it might not do this in the hard mode, but in the normal mode, whenever you spawn a trailer in, it will spawn with full fuel and full repair parts or repair points if applicable, you know, depending on which trailers you spawn in. So even on maps without garages or without fuel you know, fueling stations on one, you know, side or corner or whatever. If there's a trailer store, you just drive over to it, spawn a trailer, fuel up, repair, and then sell the trailer. And in selling them, you know, they sell back for 100% of their purchase value. So you don't lose any money doing that. And then you can carry on your merry way. Yeah. Uh, and something else that's kind of nice is getting the free DLC and, you know, getting it basically an infusion of a quarter of a million dollars. Right. Yeah. Because... I have kept the DLC trucks. Well, I haven't well, sold them. Well, the DLC trucks, uh, they look decent, but the problem is that the, uh, it's sort of like the that Caterpillar. So much stuff is locked behind high-level progression. Uh, yeah, they're of limited or no use until yeah, you level up quite a bit. So... What I ended up doing was just selling off uh, both of them, having money to upgrade my other trucks, uh, put the better winches on them, upgrade their tires, and buying a second Caterpillar so I could leave one on uh, the Inland Lake map to drag stuff around and the other one on the one I'm actively working on uh, to you know have as backup. But I probably should prune down and figure out exactly what trucks I want to use. Uh, but a lot of it just comes down to what upgrades you have so far, because a, lo- a, a lot of them are tied behind progression, but then there's also ones that are just, you know, hidden out in the wild. And I still have a couple that's hidden, I think, on uh, those other two maps I haven't explored in Michigan. Uh, never mind the ones that are in Russia and Alaska, which I've hardly touched yet. Yeah. I've got two... The only two truck, well, I've got three scout trucks, two two Chevy fifteen hundreds, and the what's the other one? The Scout eight hundred or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, Scout eight hundred. I've got that one, and uh, then I've got the White Western Star, and what's the other one that you were you know you were big on last time when we played? I was like, oh yeah, that's a good one. The Fleet Star. The Fleet Star. Yes, I've got the Fleet Star, the White Western Star, two Chevy fifteen hundreds, and one Scout eight hundred. Yeah, see, I'm using really three scout trucks. I'm using, and I'm bringing up a, a list just to make sure I have them right. I'm using mm-hmm. a Hummer H2 as like my primary. Uh, I have the International Scout 800, uh, the Scout 800, and there's the uh, what? What's the other one here? I'm trying to spot it without going into it. Uh, I think it's the International... Yeah, it's the International Lodestar. That thing could be fun. It has permanent four-wheeled and diff lock. Yeah. turned on. 
Uh, and it can carry quite a bit of uh, repair and that, that fuel in it. But it's pretty wide, too, so it can be a little bit annoying uh, if you're trying to go through a, a, a narrow passageway. The Hummer's really, really nice, though. It's uh, from Alaska, if I recall correctly. Uh, and it could have the roof rack and also uh, a spare tire and extra cargo in the uh, in the trunk. So it could carry essentially two entire loads of fuel. Uh, one in the tank and one split between the other two. Nice. Uh, as well as like two or three uh, tires total. Yeah, of the trucks that I've got, the White Western Star is, is the best. Although there are situations, because I don't have the diff locks for it yet, mm-hmm. um, there are situations where the Fleet Star can be better. Yeah, the White Star actually had the all-wheel drive for it in the diff lock already. Yeah, I had the all-wheel drive. I did not have the diff lock. I, just, I guess I just haven't found that upgrade, you know, wherever it is on the map. Or, or collected it. Found or collected, depending on where. You know, it would be found. Yeah, I just, I don't find the highway trucks all that useful in in general. Well, if they don't have at least all-wheel drive, they're basically useless. Unless you're going to do some kind of like, I don't know, uh, what is it? Fireman, like a bucket brigade thing? Yeah. A trailer brigade. Unless you're going to do like some kind of weird trailer brigade system. Or maybe you load them up with fuel or repair parts and then just, like, park them out in the remote areas. Like, take the time once to, mm-hmm. you know, Spider-Man them out to some remote area on the map and leave it there. They're they're pretty useless otherwise, just because they can't get around off-road. And so much of this game is off-road. Maybe they might do better in the snow, actually. Um, if you get the snow tires with, you know, with chains on them. They might do okay there. Still, all-wheel drive would be a benefit, but they might actually perform okay in snow like that, or maybe on ice. But otherwise, yeah, most of the highway trucks just suck. Yeah, and I'm just now getting to the point where I'm getting chain tires, so yeah, Alaska's starting to look a lot more appealing now. Uh, But yeah, some of the trucks, just like, where is the uh, niche for this? Unless it's, yeah, like, driving back and forth on the damn map, right? Yeah, that map has got a lot of pavement. But it's still fairly narrowly concentrated on the map. Yeah. Who knows? Or maybe it's the DLC map, so it would be a lot better. I don't know. uh, And it sounds like I'm ragging on it, which... Uh, you know, might be a little bit, but at the same time, the off-road trucks seem to just outperform on really all the other uh, aspects because, you know, it's just, you know, they could do whatever. Yeah. The only, and you still have the option if you can turn all-wheel drive on or off, but the only area that I can think of for guaranteed where that the highway trucks that don't have all-wheel drive is fuel consumption. Mm-hmm. But, again, if you're driving over, you know, a heavy pavement section in a truck with all-wheel drive, unless it's one of the ones that has it permanently turned on, you just turn all-wheel drive off and you're good to go. Saving fuel. I mean, if I was uh, ferrying uh, uh, you know, cargo, maybe, but at the same time, you know, there's a, tr- uh, a, tr- uh, a trailer store right there. 
and there's still sections where there's mud on the paved road. And we talked about it before where the game can be very picky about, you know, what it allows and what it doesn't. So there will be times where, you know, you're driving along and all of a sudden, you know, you uh, come to a crawl because, eh, uh, the game decide, okay, you need four-wheel drive to get through here. Otherwise, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the different trucks and the Chevy. Uh, one of the cons, very bad at fuel economy with its top engine. You, you did it with the Chevy, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yep. What um what are you looking at? I'm looking on the spin tires uh, fandom dot com. Okay. Um yeah. just look at the truck list there. Yeah, it's it's got very bad very bad fuel economy with the V eight. Very, very bad. Yeah, yeah I like Which the, that makes sense. V eights traditionally get really shitty gas mileage. Yeah, like the international scale downsides to suspension causes it to bounce. Very top-heavy when it, uh, equipped with a roof rack. And engine options are very mediocre. But it's also lightweight. It's very fuel-efficient. Uh, capable in uh, deep mud with some effort. Comes stuck with a differential lock and all-wheel drive. So, right? Yeah. Bad fuel economy. Yep. You're right. You're right, Wiki. Bad fuel economy with top engine. Next time I recover to the garage, though, I'm just going to pick one of the smaller engines. Mm-hmm. I'm just using it as a scout. I'm not, I don't need the super big engine for hauling stuff. So I'm going to haul stuff. I'm gonna, probably going to pick one of my other trucks. Well, we have talked about this for way longer than I thought we were going to. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, see you Sunday. <laughs> yep, see you, see you Sunday. Uh, do you want to talk about your single uh, game first? Y- or do you you want can me talk to- you can talk about yours. Okay. Um, I don't know how long I'm actually going to go talking about this. I played... I didn't play anything new this week, but I keep a few games in sort of a rolling backlog to talk about in case this happens. Between work and the fact that my kid loves Earth Defense Force, I played that a shit ton, and then just playing, you know, SnowRunner, uh, I didn't play any new games. But one that I haven't talked about that I that I played within the last month is uh, Transport Inc. I bought this on the Steam sale. Um, and it had been on my wish list for a little bit. Transport Inc. is a... Um, a transport management game. Uh, trucks, trains, ships, planes. Like the whole nine. Um, and it uses the real world map. Um, and it eventually like a map of the world. So you can do the entire world if you want. Um... Start small with some local routes between, you know, cities in a one state or country, depending on, you know, if you go to, say, Europe versus the United States, you know, versus Canada, whatever. Um, you know, so more local routes between cities. Grow your business. Expand into long distance uh, passenger and cargo transportation via trucks and then getting into trains and then planes and then um, automobiles. Automobiles, yeah. You know, getting into everything. At least that's the promise behind the game. The problem, the biggest problem with this game, is that instead of just letting you jump straight into a sandbox mode, or just giving you like a simple tutorial, and then turning you loose, and then being able to choose to play the story mode, versus like a sandbox mode, or completing some kind of challenges or something... 
you have to beat the story. It doesn't let you do anything else until you beat the story, which is 10, I think 10 missions, which doesn't sound like a lot, but as the game grows, it resets your progress every mission. So you start out in Europe. Um, it's like a, a small family business. Uh, like, oh, your dad was a bus driver and he hated the company he worked for. And so you and your dad go into business together to create a better bus company that's going to be better for people or, or whatever. And starts up pretty small in France with like a, a compressed version of the of the map of France with only a few cities on it. And then the next mission resets the progress that you just did makes the map a little bigger, adds a couple of new mechanics. And that's the entire story. Um, the story mode is that it resets your progress, makes your map a little bit bigger, adds one or two game mechanics, and then has you complete something. And the first few missions go really easy. It's just simple stuff like, you know, transport a thousand passengers, which doesn't take very long. You know, you start with buses that can transport like 20 passengers at a time, um, you know, you can use the accelerated time, um, you know, feature that all of these games have. So, you know, you can fast forward through some of it, get that done really quickly. And then they start to get more complex. Um, you know, transport a thousand passengers of, of this type, you know, say economy class passengers and then 500 first class passengers and, um, you know, however many tons of cargo, a thousand tons of cargo, um, and expand your business into 10 other countries. And, and you know, the missions just keep adding more of these sorts of ends to it, making it complicated. And it, it really becomes more of a puzzle game because eventually they introduce timed mechanics to it. You know, you have X number of years to collect this much money. That was the first one that introduced a time. It's like you have X number of years, you have to um, f- have a bank balance of over 2 million euros or something it's it's been long enough that i don't remember the exact numbers i'm kind of pulling that out of my ass a little bit but you know you have to be- have a bank balance it's a certain amount and you also have to have expanded into um you know 20 different countries in europe and so that was that one was really really hard to do and i actually almost failed it i got my you know maybe it was two billion euros i got my you know i got my like two billion euros in the last month of the five years. And that was kind of where it stopped being fun at that point. Then, Because the next mission was more of the same. But then you just, you're in America. It's like, okay, I'm expanding my business into America. And it was, you know, get, uh, expand into this many states and earn this much money. And every time it resets your progress. So especially for the maps where you're in Europe, it's like, well, why am I rebuilding all of these bus routes in France again? Like, if you want to make this, you know, make it feel like I'm growing, you know, a business or whatever, keep them around, you know, just save my map state and move it forward. Or even have, like, a preset map state that starts out every time with a certain number of vehicles or something. I don't know. Just make it feel like my progression mattered instead of having to restart my my business every, every time. So, it took me probably, let's see, how long have I played this on Steam? I haven't, like, ran it for trading cards or anything. I played it for six, just a little over six hours. Um, oh, there was a gun. It took me about, I would say five hours to get to where I was. I was about halfway through 
the storyline and unless there was more that shows up when you finish it i was about halfway through in uh in between five and six hours i started playing the 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 american map the first american map and i was like you know what i think i'm gonna gonna put this down for a little bit and come back to it later and that was like i don't know three weeks ago and i haven't been back to it and i haven't really had a desire to it started out fun and promising. It has kind of a cheesy story. Like I said, you know, you start off, you're building this company with your dad. You know, it's a rags to riches kind of story. Your, your, you know, quote unquote, your character gets involved in some illicit activities. Um, just adding a little bit of dramatic, you know, almost like soap operatic flair to this game about essentially creating <laughs> uh, cargo and passenger routes that make you money. From a gameplay perspective, it's got, you know, the basic tools you would expect this game to have um, for route management and ha- um, automated management of, like, repairing or replacing vehicles. And um, you can hire, you know, managers that will try to optimize routes for you automatically and um, eventually can sort of run regions and it do have some capability for limited expansion on their own and creation of routes within their region. It's uh, got the whole sort of single-player challenge aspect of, like, there are other transport companies that you're competing against, and there's only a shared pool of resources. You know, there's only so many passengers or cargo to be delivered in an area, and if if your competition is is getting it from you, then you're not able to. So there's some, you know, some competitive... Single player competitives there, which I, I kind of like. I'm not always the biggest fan of that kind of stuff, depending on how it's implemented. It doesn't feel like the computer's cheating. Maybe they are. If they are, honestly, they're kind of bad at it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's an okay game. I certainly, you know, I bought it on the Steam sale. I paid like five bucks for it. I feel like I got five dollars worth of enjoyment out of this. I don't know if I'll ever go back to it. Maybe I will. I don't know. I think I'm going to look and see if there's like a mod or a way to just like unlock the sandbox mode. Cause I think that would be fun. You know, picking a country in, you know, somewhere in the world and, and starting from there and trying to build, you know, a worldwide transportation corporation or company. That sounds fun. You know, starting in Africa or something, seeing if that makes a difference versus starting in Europe versus starting in Australia or whatever. You know, that sounds like a lot of fun and like it'd be, it would be up my alley. But the fact that it, it gates that behind the story mode, that there's no way to skip and is really more like a puzzle experience or, a, you know, a puzzle game versus an actual, you know, management sim, that kind of sucks. So average at best at this point. And I don't know if there's enough for me to go back to it to actually get to where it might be really good. Now, I wonder what is the best, like, you know, of these management games out there. Would it be uh, Transport Fever or? Yeah. <laughs> out of all the ones that I've played, it Transport Fever, hand down, hands down. Maybe, like, the, um, what is it, Open TTS um, is, uh, you know, that's free. It's got a lot more, a lot of stuff in it, you know. But it, it is older. There's some weird interface stuff. Obviously, the graphics don't look as good. And if those are things that really, you know, you as a player need um, or want, then Open TTS wouldn't really do it for you. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, Transport Fever, 
one is is good two is better but one still i think meets all of those needs very well and the modding community for that game is alive and well adding tons of of stuff to it on a regular basis and the devs work to actively support mods i don't think to be clear transport fever is a game that i think does modding support well they don't rely on the modders to fix the game for them they have provided an an excellent base game which to play and enjoy but if you want to get into mods there's a huge community that they actively support and provide resources to. So what I'm saying is don't buy Transport Inc., buy Transport Fever. You'll have a much better time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, good luck buying the game I'm going to talk about, The Tourist. This is a strange one. First of all, good luck playing it if you're on PC. It's only on the Windows 10 store and Game Pass, and it leaves Game Pass at the end of the month. So, weird one to start off with, right? Yeah. And this is one of those scenarios where it just might just not be for me, you know? It's an action platformer where you're essentially on vacation and exploring this archipelago of islands. And on the surface, it's actually really impressive. It has... I don't want to call it Minecraft style because it's not quite like that, but you know, voxel-based uh, low-poly uh, characters. And it does this uh, uh, depth of field effect really where, really well where uh, in the distance it fools you quite uh, convincingly that you know, those aren't low-poly you know, very simple uh, assets in the distance until, you know, you get up uh, close to them and they look like, you know, something that you might be able to see in, uh, well, not Minecraft because, you know, Minecraft is, you know, a lot blockier, but right. Yeah. Uh, but it, the effects of the, uh, the effects on the game world, it, it feels like it was kind of plastered over what was going to be a very simplistic low poly game. Between that and lighting effects and everything else, it, it it's kind of this odd duck of just two very conflicting styles. And honestly, it feels like it wastes my time very often. So the idea of the tourist is you're trying to uncover the secrets of this archipelago and go to different monuments and search for the monument core to bring back to this old man for reasons. The game is exceptionally short. Uh, how long to beat puts it at four hours. And I would say that's probably either a little bit optimistic or, you know, uh, just a, a little long on target. Um, at, unless, yeah, the game slows down a lot later on. I put less than an hour and a half in it and I was already, uh, 30 some percent through. So, and that's not including, you know, just accidentally leaving it for a bit. So, you're right. Yeah. And it's a lot of just small set pieces. Like, you go to one island, and in order to progress to get to the, a monument, you have to do a couple of little side quests. And one of them is running around grabbing fruit to bring to a smoothie stand. But all the fruit are buried all the way up to the stem, and... You're basically just wandering around until you stumble across one. 
and it's just a little bit tedious. Uh, another portion is uh, you're diving down, uh, oh, actually on the same island, and you have to unlock the monument by diving down in uh, in some scuba gear and uh, luring fish to three totems under the water. But one is you know, intact. Another one has its top knocked off, and you have to you know, lift it up and drop it onto the top of the totem, which, uh, because of the water effects or it might just be me being blind, was a lot harder to line up than uh, what yeah, you might expect. And the third, it took me a good 10 minutes to find, because in order to unlock it, I had to find a random-ass anchor with no hint whatsoever on what to do, other than just swimming close enough that I get an interaction on it, and then pulling on it until mysteriously the totem comes up out of the seafloor. For whatever reason, right? Right. I, honestly, this feels like a game that would be, you know, sub two hours if it wasn't, you know, wasting my time. Or it feels like wasting my time, I guess I should say. Because there's there's a puzzle element and then there's, you know, obscurity, you know? Mm-hmm. In between that and some rather floaty and, honestly, oddball uh, camera... Or some floaty platforming with a, an oddball camera, because the, the first monument's pretty straightforward. Second one has a bit of platforming where your your camera's tied to about, I would say, a ninety degree rotation. So you have to try to line it up so you could do this one jump, and it was uncomfortable, but yeah, you know, eventually got it. The third one started to get unreasonable on the amount of platforming, uh, along with a bunch of moving platforms that uh, would only move whenever you jump. And So there was a lot of leap of faith onto where I think the platform will stop, but because of the lighting effects and in one particular room, it has this spot-like effect where it's the entire room is black except for this one little spot around you. And it just irritated me so much that I just quit after that. And I might just be overly hard on this, where I've played a lot better platformers, or, yo, know, it just might be, you know, I was having a bad day, and, yeah, you know, I played it for, you know, less than two hours, actually less than an hour and a half. It just felt very unsatisfying to go through uh, the areas just because, yo, know, it's like, okay, now what arbitrary thing are you going to have me do now? Right? Right. Uh, if you play on Game Pass, uh, and it's, it's still available to the end of the month, it's worth checking out since it's a small download and you know short to go through. I might just be o- overly hard on it. But beyond that, once it leaves Game Pass, good luck if you're not on like you know, a console. Uh, Xbox and uh, Switch is going to be your only real options unless you want to deal with the Windows Game Store, which who would at this point, right? Nobody, that's who. Is it on, like, Itch or anything? Not that I know of. Uh, The the official site, which is what I'm linking to, doesn't show anything except Game Pass and Windows 10 for uh, PC. It's just weird. I don't know why they have it so restricted. They might have an exclusivity or something. Possibly. But it's not even on Epic, which is the weird thing. And uh, some people have talked uh, 
about you know getting uh it on other stores and they've just you know kind of said well we'll try to do that i mean getting on steam is not exactly you know difficult these days no i just don't know why they're you know kind of dragging their feet on it but yeah it it looks cute but you you make it you know it doesn't sound great uh I, i think it's the physics that bug me there's a lot of times where you're having to throw something uh and it's just it feels like it's just a bit random on what it does. It will show a path, but if you're throwing something of decent size, it doesn't show, give you an idea of the path that's going to take. It's just going to be you know the center of mass. And if you're throwing a giant rock, well also, you know, the fact that it'll roll because obviously uh, it's just there, there's a lot of little niggles that you know kind of irritate me. Uh, each of the monuments have a particular boss, and uh, the first one was uh, simple enough. It was uh, just uh, trying to think of what it was. Now it was, and I'm completely blanking on the first one. The second one, it's this weird walking set of uh, blocks. And in order to get out of the room... Now, mind you, the bosses are complete uh, non-lethal to you. They act scary, but they do nothing. Uh, oh, it was a... Uh, uh, the first one was essentially a spotlight that would follow you around, and you have to have it highlight certain blocks. The second one walked around randomly, and you had to throw the blocks under the feet of the thing. But because it walked randomly, it just was irritating. The third yeah. one... It was a giant snake that uh, would wiggle around the room, and you have to throw blocks onto these uh, little fountains to block them. And while you can get the snake to stop chasing you by just climbing up on this platform, uh, because the throwing mechanic feels a little bit iffy, I would uh, keep missing uh, one of the throws. And I would have to reset the entire thing. And it was after that room that I hit the, you know, the platforming uh, section that was just, fuck this. And there, there, there's some story here. It's just, I didn't get far enough for him to, you know, get beyond teasing me of, oh, this mysterious thing. And beyond that, and a lot of actual backtracking as well for such a short game. Like I said, it just feels like it's padded. Like, there was a lot more that they were wanting to do, but they just weren't able to do it. Uh, like, um, going up to the second uh, monument, you meet an old couple that's uh, on their va- vacation. They want to go to an exotic island. And whenever you unlock another island, you're giving a, given a travel guide to show the uh, person uh, that drives you to different islands to where to go. Well... None of them you have at that point uh, is exciting enough for them, so you have to eventually come back later whenever you find something more. And there's other ones that are just like that, where, okay, you're going to tease me with a a quest that I can't do. Well, it's just sad stuff, but at the same time, it's, well, is there more to this? Is it going to give me some story? Is it just uh, going to tease me? And this isn't a Metroidvania. It's not a long game. It's not a long platformer. It's just... Like I said, it just feels like unnecessary padding. And I guess I just have a real aversion to games that just kind of waste my time. Right. Even if it is extremely short. 
And that's kind of the thing is that, you know, a four hour game is kind of a hard thing to sell, especially at a $20 price point. And that's $20 on any of the platforms, uh, switch, uh, uh, windows 10, which still don't know why people buy that. Right. It's just kind of odd. Yeah. Well, definitely nothing wrong though with not wanting to play a game that more or less feels like you're wasting your time. So, yeah, maybe that's just what it is. I was kind of in a, a soured mood just because some of the mechanics that they feel a little off, uh, especially that platforming. Uh, they, uh, you keep having to go back to this other island to unlock uh, upgrades. Uh, a matter of fact. At one point, I had just completed this long series of quests to unlock uh, the monument. And then this uh, payphone rings. uh, And it's the shopkeeper from the first island saying, Oh yeah, we got some new items in. Well, with this type of game. Oh, new items. Well, that means I have to go back there and see what he has. And it's it's something I had to have to access the monument. (laughs) Because whenever I unlock the door... The bridge to the uh, door, uh, you know, fell away because, of course, it did, right? Yeah. Because video game logic. Video game logic. Thing. So, you know, I kind of saved myself some trouble there, but at the same time, it's, you know, I play enough of these games that I'm told that there's new items. Oh, I'm going to have to go there, aren't I? Right? Yeah. All right. Cool beans. Well, you ready yeah, to go? Well, do... well, I was going to say, yeah, if you get a chance, while you're on Game Pass, don't pay 20 bucks for this. And I'm not even sure if it's ever on sale because, you know, Switch, right? Right. All right. Well, speaking of Switch, a Switch, let's talk about a new competitor to the Switch. Yeah, uh, that... Gabe had heard that there wasn't a Switch Pro, so uh, he decided to build one with Blackjack and Hookers. Yeah, damn it. He just made it himself right then and there. Because I'm pretty sure on Steam there's uh, probably a game with blackjack and hookers. I'm sure there's a few. Um, But yeah, uh, Valve... Excuse me, sorry. Valve announces the Steam Deck, which is their new portable uh, gaming PC thing. Um, And everyone is very excited over this thing. Yeah, it... It was just crazy how uh, people uh, went nuts on this, huh? Yeah. Uh, the Steam store crashed a couple times because of people trying to pre-order. Yep. Um, it looks very cool. Um, very generally speaking, um, it is going to be a, a handheld gaming PC uh, to compete against... Yeah, they're kind of positioning it, at least as far as I can tell, to compete against gaming consoles in general. Like, obviously, it's mimicking the Switch in terms of, like, we've got this thing, and it's going to plug into a dock, and that's gonna you're going to be able to hook that up to a screen of some kind, a TV or a PC monitor, you know, computer monitor, and you can use it in docked mode, or you can undock it, and you can play it handheld. Like, that seems to position it, like, right up against the Switch, basically, but... In some of their marketing, they talk about, like, generation, you know, generations and things like that. And that really only gets applied to consoles in the way that, that marketing speak does. Like, mm-hmm. yes, there are generations of graphics cards and CPUs and whatnot, but they don't get 
that that doesn't get sort of talked about in the way that console generations are talked about. So I think they're positioning this as like a quote unquote PC console thing. Um, I'm excited about it. I think maybe excited is the wrong word, but I am interested. Curious. I'm curious about this. I'm not yeah. going to pre-order it. I I want to see reviews for this before anything. Uh, we'll have a couple of videos uh, in the show notes from a couple of tech YouTubers that I follow. One uh, essentially tried to build a PC with similar specs because there's not a lot of technical information. They use gigaflops, which is you know, like saying that this engine runs at 10,000 RPM, right? Yeah. That meaningful in a very, very niche way. You know, a very, very specific, narrow way that has meaning. Uh, and another one... Uh, kind of breaks down the specs as uh, they are on the uh, store page and uh, the various pages because it's kind of split between a few pages and trying to you know, temper some expectations because this is essentially a Linux box. It's probably going to be running the Steam OS, which will be used in Pinion, which uh, makes the other video a little bit more optimistic than what it may have originally been because uh yeah linux gaming is a lot better than it was you know 10 years ago but at the same time you know you're still having some compatibility issues you're still having uh, some stuff going on behind the scenes most likely with this to make it more intensive on the hardware than what it normally would with a windows machine now that's being yeah. said that you can put Windows on this. They've already said that this is going to be an open platform. And actually, one of the uh, things I saw on Reddit, uh, people have been pinging Gaben about information on this quite a bit. And the two upper tiers, two upper tier models, the uh, 256 and 512 gigabyte uh, uh, drive uh, models, will have. A, at least some form of upgradable hard drive in them uh, of uh, M.2 variety. Yeah. Now, mind you, that lower end one, the 64 gig, it's essentially memory on a uh, on a uh, circuit board, and it's going to be a lot harder, if impossible, to do so. Yeah. It's also uh, going to be a lot cheaper. Going to be slower, cheaper, yes, and slower. Um, Actually, no. It's, it's not going to be slow. Uh, well, uh, okay. Uh, uh, hard drive, yeah, slower. Storage. But, well, you're you're saying hard drive. It's all well, going to be flash yeah. memory. All, 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 oh, yeah, all solid state. Uh, all solid well, state, yeah. Well, well, the thing is, memory is kind of, yeah, talks about a couple things on this because it's going to be 16 gigs of DDR5 across the board. Yeah. Why don't we go through, because the, the Tech Raptor article has... The I guess you know the the specs listed on it, yeah, um, in a, yeah. a nice organized way. Let's just work our way down from top to bottom. So the processor they're using, um, an AMD uh, Zen two APU. So you know, com- um, one of their one of the mobile chips, uh, four uh, four physical cores, eight threads, um, boosting up to three point five gigahertz. The base clock speed is two point four gigahertz, boosting up to 3.5 um the gpu component of that apu uh is using what is that eight 
I, f- I forget what the acronym is for that. Radeon something eight, um, with two compute units, uh, one point or one gigahertz base boosting up to one point six gigahertz. Um, they're targeting a fifteen watt TDP, uh, max for it. Yeah, which uh, according to Digital Foundry, uh, is slightly below the Xbox uh, Series S, but way above the switch. So kind of in that middle ground between the two for both the CPU and GPU. Right. Um, on, on the surface, looking at this, you, you know, you might be thinking like, Oh, that's those specs don't sound very good for the most part, you know, especially being very limited by such a low potential power draw, but they're, they're getting away with it by using, um, you know, a smaller, uh, display. Um, and yeah, the display is the, only 800 P. Yeah, so but it's in landscape. These, thankfully, yeah, these AMD APUs are really capable, though. I mean, they've been really wiping the floor with Intel the last few years on uh, like netbooks and sort of the business, uh, you know, laptop sphere. And obviously, you know, that's not necessarily what you would think of as like uh, high end gaming performance or whatever. But they've gotten a lot of money and development time. And generally speaking, AMD's, you know, APUs have been better than Intel's, you know, integrated graphics suite. Yeah, I almost said graphics suite. That's the wrong word. But, you know, have been better than Intel at that for years now. So I think that that was probably the right move. And I'm, you know, based on, again, you know, the rough estimation and the YouTube video for what was the the channel Uh, Uh, that that built the PC? uh, That was uh, ETA Prom. Yeah, ETA Prime. So, again, rough estimations, generalities, grain of salt, all of that. But based on the system that he put together, most modern titles looking at 60-ish frames, older stuff, being able to push much higher frame rates. The, the, the display itself is only a 60 hertz display. So Only? <laughs> only. Yeah, only a 60 hertz display. But, I mean, you know, that that will work in the favor of a handheld device. Like, you know, remembering, like, what this is. That's good, and that wipes the floor with the gaming performance well, of the Switch. And also, remember, we're uh, talking about 800p as well, so uh, you could scale down a lot of games pretty significantly if you lower the resolution. Yeah. And that's so, not even before you get to resolution scaling on some games and that sort of thing. Uh, I think the big limitation is going to be storage on this. So the low-end model only has 64 gigs of uh, EMMC... Uh, uh, well, essentially memory on a chip, a hard drive on a chip, uh, while the other two will be 256 uh, gigs or 512 gigs of essentially M.2, or a version of M.2. Uh, however, all versions have micro SD ports, uh, high-speed uh, UHS uh, micro SD ports. So yeah. that is going to be really interesting. To be fair... Micro SD cards of very high capacity can get expensive very quickly. But according to IGN, uh, this was just a tweet out, so I didn't add it to the show notes. They were playing a lot of games on a prototype model from an SD card and were having, obviously, longer load times, but really no issues whatsoever. Yeah. The, um, the one with the EMMC memory 
is only going to be running that memory at PCI Gen 2 speeds, two by one. So one lane of uh, PCI 2 or PCIe 2, which is, I believe, limited to a hundred and it's like this is ballpark it's like 150 megabytes of um throughput which in terms of you know that's roughly hard drive speeds basically is what you're looking at like a good hard drive you know you can get sustained read and write speeds of 100 to 150 megabytes that's what you're looking at with pci gen 2 versus the two the the mid-tier and the the top end model are using nvme ssds mm-hmm. that apparently can be upgraded or replaced yeah, so, yeah I didn't see according that to according to one comment i've seen somewhere supposedly from gaben they're going to be both basically m.2 drives yeah. but, so uh, but looking, he wasn't able at, to give uh, the exact version of m.2 yeah but you're looking at you know pcie gen 3 by 4 so four lanes of gen 3 you know you're looking at 600 maybe 800 megabytes of sustained throughput if they do a little bit of trickery on that. So if you're going to be playing something directly off of the the storage on one of the upgraded models, you're going to have a lot faster loading times. But, you know, if you're playing stuff off of an SD card, at best, you're going to get that, you know, 100 megabytes um, throughput on loading. Uh, sequential reads is, is the the correct technical term sequential reads you're going to be looking at best probably at 100 megabytes a second so um you know it's it's not like terrible it's not like garbage hard drive speeds but it's certainly not fast and that would be a limiting factor fast by modern standards i should say i mean you're not going to be putting a lot of triple a games on this outside of getting a absolute massive uh micro sd card of course just because even the big version is less than a terabyte and yeah. AAA games have gotten absolutely stupid on this. This feels like kind of an indie machine is almost, which is kind of the bread and butter of Steam these days of just, you know, how many oddball random titles you have on there. Yeah. Uh, and the, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to keep going down the list on the, the specs. Yeah. Well, well, display... 1200, uh, sorry, 1280 by 800 uh, at a 16 by 10 aspect ratio. Uh, optically bonded LCD uh, for uh, enhanced readability, 7 inch uh, diagonal, 400 nits typical brightness. So that will be usable in a, on a sunny day. It yeah. will be amazing, but it'll be workable. I had yeah, to actually, I had to be, I had to go look that one up in particular because that's kind of a one that I'm not really familiar with yeah 500 nits is kind of what you want from like a really mid to high end monitor you you want 500 nits so the fact that it, on a on a mobile device you know handheld console pc whatever 400 nits is pretty good like you said you should be able to play that on a sunny day might not be like you know you'll get some washed out colors and stuff but it, it would be playable if you're sitting like on a bus and the sun shines in the window over your shoulder in, in directly on the screen should be playable. Um, it's uh, uh, it does have touch enabled. It's at sixty uh, hertz and it has an ambient light sensor to automatically dim the display, which is nice. Yeah, although truthfully, if I buy one of these, I'm probably going to turn that off immediately. I hate 
I hate that. Uh, depends on how good the software is for me. Uh, for uh, something that uh, does it poorly, it's just an annoyance. If it does it well, I leave it on. But here is something that Nintendo needs to listen on. Connectivity. It has Bluetooth right in it. Nintendo, yeah. get fucking Bluetooth next time. <laughs> yeah, Bluetooth 5.0. So standard in terms of like a, a mobile PC component, you know, laptops, tablets, you know, whatever. Bluetooth 5.0, standard. Um, you get dual band Wi-Fi, so 2.4 and 5 gigahertz uh, bands. Yeah, pretty also standard, standard. Um, Audio, uh, stereo. It's got stereo. It's got a dual microphone array, which is fancy for saying it's got a, a mic that probably will be halfway decent. Uh, you got a headphone jack, 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. Um, and also it, 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 it's saying headset. Does that mean that you can use a headset with a mic built in? Uh, yeah, uh, pretty much uh, some of the specs I've read and uh, looked at. Uh, the USB-C, which, mind you, Another thing Nintendo can learn from, it comes out of the top of the machine, not the bottom. <laughs> yep, that's important to learn. Uh, uh, the USB-C is hooked up to everything. It's not just a charging port. So you could hook up anything to it and the optional dock that they're going to sell that, that info later on. Mind you, dock version 1.0 has uh, uh, HDMI and Ethernet ports on it. So, right. Right. Uh, uh, it's going to have additional uh, USB ports on it as well to be able to hook more things to it. So, right? Yeah. You're not limited to just Bluetooth with shit, with this, which... I mean, it's a fucking impressive machine for what it is, price-wise as well. I wonder, pure speculation, I wonder if you've got like a laptop dock that uses USB-C... Um, instead of buying their proprietary dock, if I don't you could see just why it plug wouldn't. it into it. Yeah. Because it's uh, just USB-C. Yeah. You could get all of those features without with your you know the laptop dock that you might already have. Well, I don't have one. And, well, yeah, okay. but I know what you mean. I don't either. Mm-hmm. But lots of people do. Um, you know, lots yeah, of people so... have transitioned instead of having a desktop and a laptop. They just have a laptop, and if they're using it, at a desk, they plug it into their dock. Yeah, so standard uh, gamepad controls. Uh, well, I should say Xbox-style controls with additional uh, four uh, uh, programmable uh, grip buttons on the back. Um, along with two uh, uh, haptic uh, uh, touchpads. And also, supposedly the analog sticks are capacitive. So they can't also function as a touch. Or the system knows that you're touching the uh, thumbstick, even though you're not moving them, which is interesting. Yeah, it's probably, I mean, it's got haptic feedback. It's probably connected to, or connected to, it's it's probably in support of that. Because um, the newer Xbox controllers have got haptic feedback in more parts of the controller than just they, I think they called it adaptive rumble before. Um, but they, they've been increasing how much haptics is is in these controllers and it's pretty neat honestly i mm-hmm. like haptic feedback i think that's a neat feature yeah so yeah and the trackpads uh, there's a dual 32.5 millimeter or if you want freedom units 
1.27 uh, inches. Uh, square uh, track pads with haptic feedback. Supposedly 55% better latency compared to the Steam controller, which honestly, I never really noticed that much latency to begin with. I never did either. And they're pressure sensitive for configurable click strength. And, oh, and it has six axis uh, gyros because why not? Yeah. I'm I'm also going to turn that off. I don't need a gyro on my handheld. Uh, Depends on the game, <laughs> once again, because something like uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, the gyros really help out. Yeah. And then for on the go, it's got a uh, 40 watt hour battery that uh, they're saying will provide two to eight hours of gameplay. Essentially a switch. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's essentially a switch. And that would depend just on how heavily, you know, the, the resources are being utilized. And also, uh, you know, if Bluetooth turned on, how bright the screen is. Right. So. Uh, honestly, I would expect something like four to six hours uh, for most things, unless you're really pushing it, which, uh, according to some of the things that uh, uh, Digital Foundry was talking about, they're not sure if they're it's going to be able to get full tilt all the time. They're a little concerned about some of the uh, specs on that one. Yeah. Uh, he, Mo- he, he, their he, primary uh, concern was heat. Yeah, he was uh, honestly a little bit of a wet blanket on it, but obviously with good reason. Because I haven't heard a lot of people really criticize this thing. So it was nice to have like the voice of reason. That's part of the reason why I added him to the list. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Nobody's talked about the Steam OS or what it's uh, running uh, behind the scenes. Um, even though you can put Windows on it if so inclined, yeah, you're still going to yeah leave some functionality with the other things unless there's proper drivers released by Valve. I mean, it is a actually very impressive looking machine with a lot yeah. of flexibility. Yep. I want one. I don't need it. I've got a gaming laptop now. There is no situation where I would where I would use this thing. I don't think toilet. Like I I take I take my switch. I have taken my switch to certain things. Like, but if I'm gonna play a game like that, I want to be able to have thirty minutes to an hour to play it. Like the last time I took my switch anywhere that wasn't you know like my bed was I had to take my kid to the dentist a, f- a few months ago. Um, he had to have a cavity, like a couple cavities filled in. And I sat in the waiting room for like an hour and played on my Switch. And that's the only time in months that I had taken my Switch outside of the house. Because for me, the Switch, you know, a handheld thing is to just like kick back on the couch or in, in bed or whatever and play some games. And my gaming laptop fulfills that need for PC games. I've got, you know, kick back in my recliner. We had to buy a new couch because the dog and the kids shredded it. And it's got reclining, uh, you know, recliners built in. And so I you know, can kick back on that. I don't play a lot of games in bed. I don't really do very much in bed other than sleep. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> I mean, most of, of what I do anywhere else is, is outside in the house. And I don't think... Uh, our, our dear viewers or you want to hear about my actual sex life so you know well, at least not but on this podcast I just you know maybe if, maybe if straight as a pretzel is still around yeah if that was still a thing but you know generally if I'm in bed I'm I'm sleeping um, I don't even like read or anything in bed I do that in, in a recliner or on a couch or something you know so it's like 
most of where I would use this thing to play PC games, I would do that with my laptop. Or, and then if they're, you know, the rare time to play something else, I would just do that on my Switch with one of my more, you know, quote unquote casual Nintendo games. Like, I mean, uh, for me, well, I don't have a gaming level laptop. My laptop is, uh, I think, technically an ult- considered an Ultrabook. So it's yeah. good enough for light gaming, but a- anything heavy duty or with uh, actually really any 3D, it starts to struggle quickly. So I have more of a space for it. And I think it really depends for me if, well, one, can it just be put in sleep mode or does it have a hard shutdown, right? Because that's yeah. one thing I tend to do a lot with the Switch is I'll play a bit on it and then I'll just put it to sleep. Uh, play a bit, put it back to sleep. And I will say PC gaming tends to be more focused on long-term gaming. And that battery life can be a bit of a detriment, especially you know, if you're playing something that's pushing this thing and getting only that two-hour uh, 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 battery life. Although, in the mock-up, uh, build that ETA Prime did. You would have to be playing some pretty new titles, something like Control, to, that really would be pushing it without, ha- you know, it being, you know, just on the borderline of playable. It actually uh, a lot of what he threw at it was actually really good. Uh, uh, gameplay was. It's just I think I have more of a room in it for my life, uh, even though you know I don't go out nearly as much. Just because I don't have that gaming level laptop, yeah, you know, be able to kick back on the couch and pull this out and have access to my entire Steam library, especially if some of the rumors about Steam wanting to bring Xbox Game Pass into the fold as well come uh, comes to fruition, and you have access to that without having to do some hackery, it would be a very, a very, very, very tempting thing for me. Yeah. Uh, probably just because, yeah, uh, Nintendo, I do enjoy the Switch. I really like what I play on it, but at the same time, you know, the Switch is damn expensive to play on because, yeah, right? Yeah. I have been seriously considering getting rid of my Switch because of how little it gets used anymore. Advanced Wars has kind of got me thinking, like, well, maybe not. Maybe I'll keep it to play, you know, Advanced Wars, but... Uh, so much for me uh, wanting to reach some games, if you have any physical ones. Yeah, I I don't. The only physical game I had was at uh, Animal Crossing. I bought everything else digitally. Yeah, see, uh, I have a few physical, but not many. Uh, digital kind of uh, way to go there as well for me. Uh, but then again, I'll uh, grab a you know whenever I find a good deal on a, uh, a store card, I'll buy that and you know just load up the credit. Yeah, because that's really the only way to get a decent deal on uh, Nintendo games outside of the indie scene, which eh, is a little bit um, uh, under uh, uh, undergrown on the Switch. So, yeah, this is very tempting. I, if uh, well, we didn't really highlight one thing is just on the actual Steam Deck uh, site, they do highlight that. Uh, the you do get a carrying case and 
And supposedly the high-end version has an etched glass screen, whatever that is. If the other two are just you know, bare plastic, that's going to be very tough to swallow unless you know, people start putting out screen protectors, right? Yeah. I don't know what an etched glass screen is. Premium anti-glare etched glass. Which makes it sound like that, yeah, a better protection for the screen or a screen protector. Right? Yeah. And it is kind of a jump in price going from that low tier model to the middle tier. But honestly, I would still, if I were to pick one, I'd probably go the middle tier just because, right? Yeah. I think the middle tier would probably be the best one to pick. You know, I'm I'm, the... I'm really just waiting on. Uh, I want to see reviews on this before I really want to commit anything. Uh, especially, you know, what it does. What does it do behind the scenes, right? Yeah. Because we could speculate all day with these specs, but it really comes down to: does it get too hot? Does it uh, dissipate heat well? Uh, uh, is it running SteamOS? If it if it is. Is that causing more uh, issues in the background? It's just, there's too many unknowns uh, for me to, in good faith, uh, jump on it. Although I do appreciate them having to put down five bucks to reserve uh, as a deposit to try to you know, combat the scalpers. Yeah. They had a few other things about uh, for to combat scalpers as well. Like yeah. you had to have an account that was of a certain age and had made a purchase before, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm sure people, many, many scalper scalpers will still get through. I'm sure. Yeah. But hopefully, you know, at least they are recognizing it as a problem and just trying to do something, but yeah, steam deck looks cool. Um, would serve a lot of people very well. Not something that I personally need, although I've, I I do want it. Yeah, uh, especially whenever you know, I had computer issues. This would have been really nice. I actually make use of my giant library. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Ready to do our next topic? Yep. Sweet. Uh, a free-to-play Tom Clancy game was announced by Ubisoft. So, this is Tom Clancy's X-Defined. And I'm pretty much convinced that at this point, Ubisoft has hooked Tom Clancy's corpse to uh, the drive shaft of a generator, and it's trying to just make them spin faster and faster just to power their entire facility. Because this looks like dog shit. This has really nothing to do with Tom Clancy outside of Bring in a couple of factions from the other games. It's just, what the hell? Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, do whatever you want as long as you make, you know, an interesting, compelling experience. The problem is, is that this just looks bland. It looks as average as it could be. It, it, it basically looks like... Uh, Call of Duty, really. It looks like Call of Duty with some punk rock uh, put on top. Which, since when was Tom Clancy punk rock? <laughs> did Never, I, did as I far miss as that, I know. Did I miss that memo? Because as far as I know, Tom Clancy was always at least somewhat grounded in reality. Even his more outlandish stuff was yeah, in the realm of 
hard sci-fi. This, you have people running around uh, with uh, gas masks that are just for show for whatever reason. Uh, the firefighter uh, faction from uh, the Division, because why not? Right. Uh, energy shields, uh, if active camo, invisibility, it's just... There, there's so many things that turn me off from this. That you would think that's an Assassin's Creed. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. Like I said, it, it looks like, as average, a third person... Um, oh, it's first person. Or, sorry, first person. Uh, well, it's, well, as well, average, a first person class-based shooter could be. Yeah, and, and you wouldn't be able to tell because they hardly show any... They show a lot of gameplay or in-engine gameplay, but they show hardly anything from first person until, you know, a, a couple of clips. Th- this feels like designed by committee, you know, I, which I yeah. know. AAA gaming is, on a whole, designed by committee. There's not that one driving force anymore uh, uh, to, to steer a game. Uh, well, honestly... That was always kind of a myth. There was always, you know, some sort of committee, the you know, the suits uh, controlling things. But now more so, just because the stakes are so much higher, the budgets are so much higher. So when you have something like this that feels just like a mishmash of things that you know just doesn't come to a coherent uh, product, it yeah. makes it feel more so that it's designed by committee. It feels more so that. Okay, this is cha- this is Ubisoft once again chasing market trends five years after the fact. Right? Yeah. Too little, too late to to get it in a trend that is already done. And too punk rock. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just still kind of stuck on this. I'm convinced that they're trying to get Tom Clancy to rouse from the grave to try to stop them. That would be pretty neat. Raise the dead. So, there'll be a closed uh, test for this in August, and they're planning on releasing it next year, which... Oof. Uh, so, uh, what's the uh, time frame for death of the game on this one? <laughs> oh, God. Not very long. Six months. Could it just be that uh, Rainbow Six Siege is starting to wind down development... Uh, and they're just trying to push out something new and they're trying to bake in the microtransactions because if memory serves, Rainbow Six Siege struggled on release because, uh, partly due to it being a premium title. And it wasn't until they fixed a lot of issues on top of eventually going free to play that it, they didn't, that it got its second wind. So do you think that could be part of, a part of it as well? They saw that massive influx when Rainbow Six Siege went free to play. But they didn't really have the infrastructure in the game to completely and utterly milk people for the microtransactions. So they're trying to bake it all in at once. Not that I sound, uh, yo, jaded as fuck, right? Yeah, not at all. But that does sound like something the games industry would do. <laughs> oh, B- yeah, Bake this- it all in at once. Yeah, this is more just kind of a what the fuck, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, the show notes has a link to the worldwide reveal, which uh, it's linked to you know, that, a video that's like three quarters, just countdown timer with random bullshit art. 
Uh, there's better ones on YouTube, uh, more cut down, but it's still, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of groan-worthy moments, you know, talking about focus on uh, uh, gunplay while having, uh, you know, invisible uh, uh, players, uh, uh, energy shields, turrets. G- gunplay, really? Right? Yeah. I mean, turrets have guns on them. Yeah. Yeah, but the moment that you have a, a, a class that could go invisible and... Uh, wreck your day. Mind you, they showed very short time to kills on this. Uh, uh, on this uh, uh, teaser. It, it kind of m- makes me want to play it even less. That's actually what uh, killed Dirty Bomb for me was uh, an invisible class with a uh, short time to kill. So, yeah. Well, that in the ineptitude of the developers, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Sick burn. Uh, so moving along to more microtransaction bullshit, unless you have yeah something to comment on Tom Clancy. No, I don't have anything else to comment on Tom Clancy. Yeah, if a uh, zombie uh, Tom Clancy comes back, uh, uh, can can you uh, make uh, can you uh, make Ubisoft stop? Just full stop. Just make Ubisoft stop. <laughs> right. I'm sure um, that there's some uh, people uh, that. Uh, claim sexual harassment uh, that w- would uh, definitely not mind that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, s- all. so speaking of shitty microtransactions, yeah, Sony patents player kicking microtransactions. Um, right. As part of a, this isn't the only thing they patented. That doesn't really make it any better. But as part of a um, large pattern or, or pat pattern, a large patent. Or, yeah, a, a package of patents um, talking about or trying to create ways to remove players from games. They added one for microtransactions, where that a player or a spectator of a game can pay a fee to remove a player from the game that they are spectating. Yeah, because it that won't not... be abused at all, right? Yeah. It does not go on to say, at least at this time or at this juncture, whether or not that means that the spectator will replace the player in a, like a streaming game, for example, or or if it would just be to get rid of that person. But they, if if they follow through on this or implement it somewhere, you'll be able to pay to kick people from games. <sighs> the, the newest form of pay to win. Just pay to remove all the competition and pay, you pay win. To- Pay to win that, uh, you know, amazing sniper, right? Right. I can just think of so many ways this would be exploited, right? Yeah. I mean, the Tech Raptor article did bring up a good point that it could be used for good for knocking out cheaters. Uh, uh, because this pen uh, covers a wide variety, including voting systems and uh, that, that sort of thing. But the one that stands out is the fact that they threw in microtransactions because it's Sony, right? You can't leave money on the table. Uh, can you imagine, you know, a few years from now, the next call, uh, call of duty on uh, PlayStation talks about uh, buying a pack or getting a pack of uh, kicks. If you buy the legendary edition or, you know, whatever bullshit to be right. able to uh, kick people from a game. I could totally see that happening. Buy the ultimate special legendary double ultimate edition. And no, buy the receive... uh, no, no, buy the urban camo edition. Right? 
Yeah. Goes co- and uh, Call of Duty. Receive a code to give yourself ten player kicks from games that you're in. Whew. Yeah, it just feels like uh, multiplayer gaming is just kind of circling a toilet, doesn't it? Yep. That's why I barely, if ever, engage in multiplayer gaming anymore. Yeah, co-op is one co-op. thing. Yeah, co-op is one thing. But uh, multiplayer shooters, uh, just in general, there's just so much of buying a power now. There's so, uh, even in premium titles and AAA titles, there's just so much bullshit tacked onto it. Yeah. But I, I fully expect this to be completely abused. Yeah. It, to be, it'll, I fully expect it will be implemented someday, somewhere, by someone. Yeah, mind you, uh, there, and TechRaptor does highlight this. There's no guarantee Sony will use this patent, patent because companies invest money to protect uh, innovation. But at the same time, the fact that voting to remove people from a game is being patented. It's also, right? Yeah. So. <sighs> yep. It's all bullshit from Sony. Well, bullshit in the gaming uh, circles in general. I don't know how I feel about being Sony. Like, I would expect this out of EA. And it's not like I think Sony is, like, a good company, you know, per se. But I kind of expect this out of EA or Ubisoft or Activision or 2K like, those companies, I would expect to see them getting a patent on this. And it feels weird. Like, huh, didn't expect that out of you, Sony. I don't know why. I guess I'm just so used to them, those companies being at the, you know, the well, king of shit mountain. Yeah, it's, uh, all the major companies are shitty in some way. It's just EA is so much more shitty. Ubisoft is so much more shitty. Activision, well, Activision Blizzard, because let's not forget, Blizzard is also shitty. Yeah. Uh uh is uh draws so much attention that yeah, stuff like this kind of blindsides you but at the same time, right? Yeah. All right. Uh what we got next? Uh we Oh, have, that's it without getting yeah, into the community yeah, corner. Yeah, we have community corner which uh Jim sent us a thing. <laughs> Indeed. Was this I can't remember if this was the the Jimquisition this week. Or if I saw this somewhere uh, th- else. No, this was Jim Quisition this week, or at okay. least highlighted in it. Yeah. Um, so, sent to us on Discord by Jim and our submissions slash suggestions channel. A Ukraine warehouse uh, packed with thousands of PS4s was actually a FIFA Ultimate Team bot farm. <laughs> right. Because... Yeah. Oh, uh, so... Uh, the main reason why they got in trouble were they were stealing electricity. That's what yeah. got them was stealing utilities. But that you know, thousands of PlayStation fours, mind you, people had jumped on uh, the idea that they were farming cryptocurrency because yeah, you know, that's kind of what these farms typically do. Even though the PlayStation four isn't supposedly that great at farming cryptocurrency, I don't know. A hundred percent if it's true or not. Well, I don't from from a power standpoint, no. But they are pretty energy efficient and typically, um, you know, are able to cool themselves fairly effectively. So maybe from a, um, you know, like a um, 
an economic perspective. You know, maybe they're more efficient from a power standpoint or something. Like, I, I could see it. I could see them, you know, bought, or not bought, but cryptocurrency farms using gaming consoles for it. Or really anything that they could buy in bulk cheap from somewhere, you know? Anyway, sorry, Grant. But anyway, uh, uh, Ukraine business newspaper uh, sparked the speculism that they were uh, farming some sort of cryptocurrency. However, it looks like they there's some suggestion that they were on FIFA this entire time. It's just, right? Yeah, the gist of what they were doing is that... Um... And, and I don't fully understand this because I don't play FIFA um, Ultimate Team. But they were they were grinding stuff out on the consoles, on the accounts on the consoles. And then the idea was to sell them loaded up with in-game currency uh, that had been, you know, they had grinded for. Well, there's a black them. market for FIFA coins because, of course, there is, right? Yeah. And you could convert this currency to open loot boxes to get your, you know, that you know, one in 10,000 chance to get, you know, your good uh, footy ball player, right? Yeah. It's just, it's just so absurd, isn't it? That we have, yeah. uh, that, that there's bot farms of 3,800 PlayStations farming FIFA coins over all the other cryptocurrency out there. Right, yeah. So, uh, ultimate team, uh, uh, played the game for months on end uh, in a bid to save up enough uh, the in-game currency to splash out on the auction house, or you could buy the foot coins on the black market, uh, where forty thousand foot coins uh, cost you a couple quid. You're a gamer. Uh, to put that in context, uh, Lionel Messi, a 99-rated uh, Summer Star card, currently costs around 1.5 million foot coins. Wow, right? Suddenly the idea of that black market makes a lot more sense, huh? Yeah, it definitely does. Because that artificial scarce, uh, scarcity. Yeah, I mean, it feels weird at first glance, but then like you think about it, and it's like, oh, EA created sort of a secondary market for this with the way that they developed well well they created a void where they made all these uh uh amazing football players so incredibly rare to be able to sell their whatever microtransaction uh to uh, get a chance to roll for them and have uh, people spend literally thousands of dollars to build an ultimate team that lasts literally one year because all your progression gets reset on the following uh, one it's much like uh, your game. It gets reset every map. Bring it all the back around, right? And you just are being quiet or what? Could you... Uh, okay, there you are. Okay, I don't know if I if I got cut out for a second or... Well, I was just what? saying... Uh, uh, bring it all the way back around to Transport Inc. Where everything gets reset every year. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the model, though. The model that they have to, to extract as much as possible from, from players. Just start them over every time. Yeah, and get them to spend thousands of dollars once again because, yeah, the whales, right? Yeah. It, it just. Whales. It, it, whales on the black market. 
it, it, it baffles me that people spend this much money on a game that resets every year. I mean, I understand, you know, the ground and, uh, you know, if you enjoy your footy ball, uh, to, uh, uh, you know, pick it up every year or every few years to you know, be able to reset your rosters. But, you know, spending thousands of dollars on loot boxes to just throw it away every year, right? Yeah. Which I realize there's that, you know, that sun calls fallacy. But at the same time, you know, that there, there's so much you could be doing. I mean, think of all the Steam decks you could buy. <laughs> right? At least five or six at that rate. But, yeah, I mean, I kind of get it. You know, people get into into doing something, you know. They get into that as their hobby. Not even just gaming, but, like, FIFA specifically as their hobby, you know. And then, I it on one specific level, it, it sort of makes sense to me. Because if you're someone who very specifically plays FIFA, you think of yourself as playing FIFA as opposed to playing video games, then... You know, it, it doesn't matter. That's just you engaging with your hobby in whatever way it changes over the years. And I can kind of see it. I don't agree with it, but that's not, you know, that's just the way that they interact with it, the, the way that their life has shaped up and, you know, their interests. And I'm certainly not going to pick apart someone's interests in, in whatever it is, even if I don't quite understand their spending habits. I mean, shit. <laughs> Good luck, you know, me trying to explain my spending habits to people. Hey, I, hey, I had to buy that bundle of 40-some cookbooks. That's right. That's right. I had to spend $22 today on um, pens from the Gymporium that I don't need and will never wear, but will will put in a display case to display at some point. I had to buy that because the games can do got, whatever they want. I was about to say, I hope you got that one. <laughs> of course. I think I got six. It might have been five. But yeah, I got I got the gays can do whatever they want. I had to I had to get that one. But anyways, you know, explaining that or the fact that I spent like God, a thousand dollars over the last twelve months on art. Yeah, but the thing is that you're you're not just throwing it at some corporation that yeah. That's the other thing, right? Yeah, I suppose. I mean I'm supporting um Technically not local business, but small business, you know, actually, you know, spending my money on something that's impactful to our economy. And you're actually buying uh, physical products or, you know, something that has a tangible value. Yeah. While EA has argued in court that these microtransactions have no value whatsoever. Right. And it's not gambling because you can't cash out. Yeah. I guess that's a fair point. I don't know. There is a specific case where I could see it and understand it, but for anyone else that doesn't fit into that case, it just feels wasteful to me on so many levels. Economically, ecologically, you know, all of the power that's being spent, even even if, you know, my sort of like speculation, like, ah, maybe it's an okay mining vehicle because it would be lower power than certain other things. Like, still, that's what was it? 3,500? 3,800 yeah. consoles. That's a lot of power being eaten up every every moment of every day by a warehouse full of video game consoles. All to uh, use, uh, or to grind out, well, FIFA points. So, 
uh, an estimated for PS4. Let's just do some fun math, all right? Estimated okay. watts consumption per hour for a PS4 is 90 to 150. Assuming, yeah, we're talking upper end, let's just do the 150, all right? Okay. So, 150 times 3,800. Oh, not 38,000, 3,800 is 570,000 watts per hour, right? Yeah. And that's per hour. There's got to be like a calculator somewhere that's like, how much money would this cost you? Um, So, electric bill calculator. So, 570 kilowatt hours. I just wanted to make sure I had the right thing. Now, mind you, this is all stolen power. So, it wasn't costing them anything, but 570 kilowatt hours an hour. Alright? Yeah. If those are running... Alright, so if that's running 24-7, I guess it depends on what your your what kilowatt per hour costs. I, I was paying... On my electric bill, something like an average of like six cents per kilowatt hour. Um, I live in an area that has relatively cheap power. Um, most of my power is provided by uh, clean, renewable sources, uh, a couple of nuclear power plants, mm-hmm. and a huge series of hydroelectric dams uh, on the Tennessee River. Um, so I pay about six to seven cents per kilowatt hour even at like peak times so i'm just gonna use that i'm gonna go with seven cents that would <laughs> twenty nine thousand one hundred forty seven dollars per month um for my electric bill according to this calculator i'm trying i'm trying to do the math here and i'm afraid either i'm doing it wrong or correctly so my state has higher power costs because you know old coal power plants. Uh, this right. is from uh, 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 Electric Choice Average uh, uh, Power Price uh, according to West Virginia's 11.57 cents a kilowatt hour. So I was just doing the math. Uh, we did 570 kilowatt hours per hour. So... 570 times 0.12, right? Would be $68 an hour times 24. Brings it up to Uh, 1,641.6. So that, that can't be right. I must be doing my math wrong, right? Don't know. Maybe. Possibly. If... If I'm not, then they were stealing a fuck ton of power. Right? Yeah. Which makes sense if they were using, yo, 3,800 <laughs> PS4s. Right? Yeah. I, I think I think there's that, you know, kind of disconnect of, well, I'll just plug in a PlayStation 4. Yeah, you know, it can't be using that much power, but then you set and really start crunching the numbers and... Uh, that economy of scale where, you know, yeah, that's what I was about to say. The whole economies of scale idea. Where, like, yeah, one, one PS4 doesn't use that much power, but three thousands of them. Yeah. yeah. And that's not even counting the uh, hardware that they were using to control them all. Right. 
Yeah. Because they weren't just all sitting there, yeah, you know, running idly. They had to be controlled. And uh, according to the article, there was some uh, computers that were uh, cycling through them, uh, running uh, 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 essentially their bot farm. So you're looking at quite a bit of money per day in stolen electricity. And it starts to uh, make sense when you hear ta- people talking about yeah you know, how cryptocurrency is such a detriment to power grids. And you think, eh, it can't be that bad. Then you start crunching the numbers and it's worse than you think. Yeah. Crazy amounts of power must be uh, uh, wasted on like Bitcoin these days, huh? Probably. And Bitcoin's value just recently crashed again. Well, not crash crash, but it got under 30,000. Uh, only 30,000? Yeah, only 30,000. I don't know what it's at now. I haven't checked. But, yep. Well, if you wish to, you know, crash our uh, mailbag, you do so at podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us VGL podcast on the Twitter. Or you can drop it in Discord like you, like Jim did. Uh, you can find a link to that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. Indeed. So you wanna? Yeah, doobly do. Do yep, doobly do for a discovery queue. I know you've got yours pulled up. So go ahead and tell me what you got. So I got many motorways. This is this uh, pseudo sequel to Mini Metro, same developer, and. Okay. It's kind of a chillax, uh, well, semi-chillax, because, yeah, Mini Metro gets intense. Uh, transport, uh, a motorway simulator, where you're building highways and trying to just keep things going as long as you can. Uh, nice. Very simplistic art style. They have, uh, maps based off of, uh, various cities. Uh, or just, you know, see how long you last in survival mode. Uh, if it's anything like Mini Metro, it's one of those games that you can pick up very sim- uh, very easily. Uh, but there's a lot of depth and a lot of craziness to be had. On sale right now, it just launched. Uh, and there's also a bundle if you have Mini Metro that would knock uh, an extra 20% off. Or sorry, an extra 18% off. So, yeah. Nice. Um, I feel like, did you have this one a week ago or a few weeks ago before we leave? Uh, This seems familiar to me. I think I had it a couple weeks ago, but go for it. Okay. Uh, Before we leave, um, sort of a sci-fi city building game. Um, You build a uh, city, build a civilization. Looks like there are sci-fi elements of like planetary colonization and Something about space whales. <laughs> um, it is uh, a. Its tags are like casual and stuff. I think that's because it doesn't have any combat to it. But it looks neat. It's very, very cute. Very nice art style. Um, you know, explore, discover ancient technology. That's a big old space whale. Yeah, there are no weapons, no battles with neighbors for control of resources, just you and a solar system full of opportunities. I'm all about that. Very, very cute. I like nice, cute, relaxing things and city builders. Well, I got Death's Door. A action RPG, uh, 
where you play the Grim Reaper that has to reclaim a, a stolen soul from the after from the underworld. Uh, produced by Devolver Digital, so you know, uh, hijinks are do or sure to ensue. Uh, this is from the, actually the same developer that made Titan Souls. So, uh, even though I wasn't too hip on Titan Souls, there was some uh, odd control things that I didn't really care for. Uh, it was a solid title, so yep. there is a pedigree there to be sure. So yeah, and it has a very a lot brighter uh, aesthetic than you might expect. Yeah, you know, uh, being the Grim Reaper trying to steal soul back. So yeah, right. Um, so I got uh, Breakwaters. Um, this is a survival third-person survival crafting game. Looks like somebody took a look at Valheim, and no idea, but looking at this, it looks like someone took a look at Valheim and said, huh, what if we did Valheim, but on, like, a tropical island, or a series of tropical islands, instead of, like, weird, like, foreboding, like, forest things. Looks very neat. I mean, I love a game like this. Looks like there are these big titan creatures. I guess you have to fight them. Um... But you're just, like, exploring around an island chain, crafting and building stuff, um, making the water part like Moses. This guy's, like, I say that, like, in the gif of this, he, like, throws a bottle of something into the water and it parts and reveals, like, a a ship or a treasure or something. But this looks neat. I mean, I I love stuff like this, so. Looks like it's it's not out yet. Uh, Releasing quarter three of 2021. So within the next few months. So, I got The Last Stand Legacy Collection. This is a collection of two, I believe used to be uh, Flash games. It's kind of gotten uh, boosted up to essentially full game status now. You know, since Flash is dead. Uh, Some tower defense, some uh, RPG elements, some survival elements. Uh, It is a bit dated because, you know, it is... Yeah, essentially a flash game that's gotten uh, bumped up. Uh, but yeah, if you're nostalgic for this type of game, definitely worth checking out. Also, yeah, there there's a few games in this uh, you know kind of like survival genre without being full on first person you know survival horror or I should say you know uh, survival with zombies I guess I should say you know managing. Uh, uh, all your hunger bars and everything, you know, first person style. So yeah, I, I seem to remember playing this on like Congregate back in the day. So or I could, you know, just be mistaken on that one, or played something right. like this. Looks like very simplistic, at least overall. But eh, but it looks like it run pretty much on a toaster <laughs> because right. Sometimes that's the best thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I got one called Hide and Run, which is basically a sort of fantasy-esque themed uh, version of uh, Prop Hunt from, like, uh, Gary's Mod or something like that. But it looks very cute. It's got a very cute art style. Um, looks like there's some options for having, like, multiple people on a team of like prop hunters and then everyone else trying to hide and 
It looks cute. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know how good it would be. It's like three bucks. So, you know, if you really wanted to try out, it's not super expensive. But, yeah, I don't know. Looks cute. Don't know if it's for me, though. Okay, this looks a lot better than what I was originally going to give it credit for. Such art, genius art simulator. Art, art, genius artist simulator. It's essentially a first-person painting game where you're building you know, an art studio and you know, painting a different uh, yeah, things. And there's actually some impressive-looking art uh, in the uh, 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 in the uh, uh, in the community hub. So it's not just yeah, you know, smear stuff on and call it a day. You can if you want to, but if you have yeah, uh, the talent for it, you can do quite a bit with this, which is interesting. It is early access, uh, uh, under the twenty uh, buck mark at least. Uh, it's from is it from the same developer that did uh, House Flipper, or is it just the same publisher? Because yeah, okay. Uh, does it look like it's the same? A developer, it's the same publisher though, so might be just packaging it into you know, some more copies, right? So yeah, right. But hey, uh, if you enjoy to paint or, or enjoy painting or want to do, yeah, you know, uh, you know, just a, a art studio full of uh, giant dicks. Well, there you go, right? <laughs> right. Absolutely. So I got um. The Immortal Mayor is a god game where you play a deity that is watching over a region as it grows and builds up, um, and they are more or less your people to command. I think it's doing sort of the suggestion thing of, like, you click on them and you tell them to do something, and if their needs are met, they'll do it. Like, that's the impression I get from looking at these screenshots and reading through the blurb about the game. But it looks very cute. Um, it's been a while since we've had a... That I can think of, like a, a good god game like this. But uh, let's think. Okay. This one's interesting Samurai Gun 2. Fast paced, uh, super Meat Boy esque uh, platformer. Uh, yeah, it's a sequel to something. <laughs> I mean, uh, Samurai Gun, obviously. Uh, but I'd never heard of it. Might be one that just slipped through the cracks on me. Uh, deflect bullets uh, in uh, fast platforming. I mean, uh, the trailer kind of shows it all. Very small levels, but a lot of uh, kind of twitch reaction gameplay. Right. When did Samurai Gun come out? Uh, came out, well, damn, damn, came out 2013, so this one's been a while in the making, huh? Yeah. Um, so I got... SRX The Game, which is a NASCAR-esque game. Looks like this is a real thing that was started by Tony Stewart and Ray Everham. Tony Stewart is a uh, NASCAR yeah, driver. Yeah, he's the one that goes vroom, right? He's one of the ones that goes vroom. And then Ray Everham, I don't know if he ever was a race car driver, but there's like uh, he has got his own sort of performance division. Um, I know that he has worked with Dodge for a long time, or Chrysler. I don't know if he still does, or if he works also alongside other car companies or what, but doing performance stuff, you know, whenever you buy a high-performance package type of vehicle, 
there's usually one of them from Dodge, at least in the last five or six years. You, you get like the Ray Abraham version, which, you know, had extra bells and whistles and was like fancier and usually had more power and stuff. So, you know, it, essentially that's, I'm getting a little, on a little bit of a, I'll follow a little bit of a tangent. And what else is new? But yeah, looks like a sort of a, Na- basically a NASCAR style game. And I'm into that. Yeah. It, so this can be fun. Yeah. It looks like it goes through different series as well. Which is nice to see. I remember uh, back in the late 90s, there was a, a NASCAR game on one of the consoles that you basically started off as a dirt track uh, racer. And your the career mode was building all the way up. Or if it wasn't NASCAR, yeah, it was yeah, yeah, definitely not NASCAR, right? Right. And this looks like it's similar to that, where you progress through different series of dirt track racing, eventually working your way to pavement and uh, you know, stock car-esque racing. And it's nice to see that it looks like there's not just oval tracks as well, at least according to the trailer. So yeah, interesting. So I got Dream Engines. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, that was my last, SRX was my last one. I finished my queue, uh, had a couple of junk games. I'm, so. I'm, I got a few more to do, but I'm not sure if I have anything good. So I got Dream Engines, No Bad Cities, a survival builder with flying cities. That's the title, right? Right. So, essentially a city builder, but uh, you're building essentially a floating city that has some Factorio-esque stuff going on in it as well, as well as a research system to survive, to explore a procedurally generated world, it looks like. It's... I mean, that's a lot of things kind of thrown together. Oh, and steampunk as well, because why not, right? Right. Why not? I mean, it, it looks really interesting, but there's a lot going on here, which can go bad very quickly. <coughs> uh, pardon me, as I need to grab a cough drop, because uh, I ran out of drink a while back. Uh, there's a lot here that could go bad very quickly. But at the same time, yeah, if it could go through the early access uh, uh, properly uh, and build up, it could be a very unique and interesting title. Uh, the question is, would it actually get to that point, right? Because you know, early access is always kind of a uh, mixed bag on you know, if it actually goes through. It does look like they've done 10 updates, at least according to the early access yeah, throughout 10 years of pro- uh, progression through the system uh, with uh, another couple still uh, on the docket. So, yeah, that'll be one to check out. I'm sure why it hasn't or if it's just kind of been uh, early access somewhere else or you know, early, definitely not early access, right? Right. So, yeah. Let's see a VR game. Breakwaters, which you've talked about. So, Rogue, yeah, I just was Road Company, third-person free-to-play uh, shooter, uh, tactical action shooter. Because yeah, tactical and action, right? Free to pl- free to play with a lot of microtransactions uh, and uh, DLC to uh, add on to things. Because right uh, from High Res Studios. Because yeah, right. Yep. I mean. It, 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 all these games are starting to feel 
Like they're running together, right? Very samey, very generic. I I didn't get it in my queue, but I have seen some stuff about Rogue Company, and I'm like, eh. It's like, okay, which one's this one again? Because, I, I and I, yeah. uh, and it sounds like they uh, are throwing in some Call of Duty, or not sorry, Call of Duty, uh, uh, and now I'm blanking. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, the uh, Counter Strike, ugh. Uh, Counter Strike, uh, uh, sh- uh, shop in it as well as just you uh, go through the match. You earn money uh, to uh, buy equipment, so that's interesting. But at the same time, you know, there's an entire section of microtransactions on the store page, which is oof, right? Yeah. And it's uh, terrible that uh, with Call of Duty when I was going for Counter Strike, but right, I never really played either of them. It happens. More yeah. similar to different. Uh, let's see. I got Immortal Mayor and a World War One survival horror game. No, thank you. World War One was sur- enough survival horror without making survival horror, right? So that's my cue done. Cool beans. Hey, Rage. Oh well, wait. I, 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 oh. well, uh, sorry. There's one more. I, 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 as usual, I start my next queue, and I've got to add this one because, right, it, it popped up. I'm stealing it. So, and I accidentally clicked off uh, the show notes because, right, scroll all the way back down. Halo Infinite. Woo! <laughs> it's Halo, but it's infinite. Halo, Infinite Halo. Down for that. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I usually start my next queue, and that popped up, and yeah, I had to take Halo Infinite. And it's similar to games you played. Bioshock Infinite, because they're both infinite. Hopefully this one won't be infinitely disappointing, but eh, right? Right. Absolutely. So, are you ready? Mmm... Well, uh, well, we'll have to check with Schoolgirl Cortana, but sure. <laughs> hey, Rage. Hit him with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming with CR, or you can be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTube, so searching for the same thing. On Twitter, at JMA4707. Be my friend on Steam or on Discord. I'm JArthur4707. Woo. Woo. Uh, and once again, you can reach us, VGLpodcast at gmail.com with your alerts, voicemails, game-related topics, tweet them to us, VGLpodcast, or drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to at VGLpodcast.podbean.com. If you wish to share the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Or if you wish to see the RSS feed, uh, links to all our stuff, which is mostly dead at this point. You could uh, do so at vjlpodcast.podbean.com. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash vjlpodcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground, and our Discovery Cube music is doobly-doo. Both by Kevin McLeod, both can be found at incomputech.com. And as always... <coughs> as his lovely music starts <laughs> to roll across my voice while I'm choking... <laughs> Well, bye now. Uh, See you next time. Bye-bye.